0: Hi everyone. Benjamin Smith here, pastor of Revealing Truth Ministries, Wesley Chapel. You know, God is always speaking good things to us and he has a word for you today. We are sure of it. Take some time out to listen and we'll be back soon as we're done. God bless you. God, I thank you for each and every person here. I thank you, God, that we never take it for granted, this opportunity that we have to come and minister together. I pray that you give me your inner wisdom to be life into each and every person and that everybody under the sound of my voice will get something out of the message today they can use. They can use it and make their lives better. God, not just years from now or months from now or weeks from now, not even days from now, but they will be able to use this word and make their lives better immediately. It's in the name of Jesus that we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, lift them up and say this with me. Say, this is my Bible. I can be what it says I can be. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. Every verse is God-breathed, and I aim to live by every word. It is essential to my faith foundation and works to change me from the inside out into the person God created me to be. That is why I'll never let it go. It is reliable. It is the truth. It is divine. It is the word of God and shall forever be to me my Bible. In Jesus name. Amen. All right, family. Don't worry. Stay ready. We have been discussing this beautiful policy that Jesus Christ made available to all mankind. This policy that covers every single aspect of life is available to whosoever. Say whosoever. It's available to whosoever is willing to do what? Sign on the dotted line. You sign on the dotted line by just doing something extremely, extremely simple. And that is just saying yes to Jesus. Once you say yes to Jesus, once you sign on the dotted line, guess what? Your very next step, which is going to be your only next step for the rest of your life, can be summed up in two words: trust God. This is how first Peter expresses that. It says, first Peter says this. Chapter 5, verse 7. In the NLT, give all your worries and cares to God, for he cares for you. That's an indication that you are to trust God no matter what's going on. More importantly, this policy that we have, guess what it has in it? It has a no worry clause. A no worry clause that just like First Peter expresses, you are supposed to give all your worries and all your cares to God. In other words, don't worry. Instead, take comfort in knowing that God is the one taking care of you and God takes his responsibility of caring for you seriously. He knows that you have needs in this life. And will make every single one of those needs available to you. If only we do one thing that is just making seeking a tighter, closer relationship with him, our number one goal, our top priority. If we were to say that differently, we would say it like this. You need not worry when the God of all creation is the one caring for you and backing up your policy. Knowing that you need not care. (laughs) However, family, you know what? We tend to worry. We do. I tend to worry, you tend to worry. And it's not because, you know, we really intend to, it's not because we're necessarily weak. It's because worry is a sneaky adversary. And that rascal strategically sets up camp in our minds. Remember when we were talking about Ephesians 6 last session and we had a revised version? I called it the Benjamin Smith version. Let's look at that scripture again and let's read that again. Let's go. For we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places, and against worrisome thoughts in our head spaces. Worry. <laughs> Worry messes with our headspace. It deals with us in the thought realm dispensing what-if scenarios that block our spirit's desire to trust God. That is why the Bible, our policy book, so to speak, that is why the Bible presses us, instructs us to distance ourselves from worry. It pushes us to do so. It gives us specific instructions. Don't you worry. Don't you care. I want you to cast that stuff on God. No worry clause. But we tend to worry. Even though the Bible instructs us not to. To carry out the instruction that our policy gives us. We must put our attention to work on two tasks. And those tasks are as follows. Task number one. Learn to acknowledge when worrisome thoughts and feelings are attempting to rise up in us. Task two. Acquire the skills to deal with it in a manner that defeats worry and points us back to trusting God. Those are our tasks. And we launch out with task one. And to accomplish task one, we do so by comparing the word worry to a closely related but quite different word. I want you to recall, family, that (laughs) we said worry masters at the what if game. It presents you with thoughts that put your mind in a negative loop driven by a what-if narrative that conjures up thoughts and feelings of what is this? Hurt, heartache, destruction, pain, loss, and so on. Worry puts your mind in a negative what-if loop that constantly tells you, what if God don't come through? What if your policy is false? What if you really can't trust the God that your policy is asking you to trust in? What if your policy has exclusions, even though your God has already told you your policy got no exclusions? He will never fail you. He will never give you up. He will never leave you without support. He will never leave you helpless. He will never fail you. Absolutely not. His policy words are true, but worry wants you to think, hey, is it true? Worry masters at the what if game. Getting your mind in that negative do loop, pressing your spirit to not trust God. That's worry. i discovered something in my my research. I'm always researching something. I discovered an explanation that describes worry perfectly. I mean, it describes worry and its what-if nature to a T. Hey, I couldn't have done it better myself. Keep in mind, though, that. I didn't. Oh, it's on the screen already. Well, keep in mind, I didn't know. I didn't know this when we started teaching on this. I hadn't read this yet. I want you to realize not only have I, I didn't read it, I didn't even know that this thing existed before we started talking about worry and it's what if nature. But this explains it perfectly. I'm going to read it. I want you to it's on the screen. So I want you to just kind of visually follow along. It says this. Worry is the incessant ruminative. I had to look that word up, too. I don't know what it means. It means a thought type of thing, a deep in thought. So it's dealing with your thought realm. Worry is the incessant ruminative ruminative speculation of what might go wrong and anticipation of chaos. It's a form of self-torment best described as what if thinking being worried is a circular, destructive kind of thinking that leads to a life of stress, anxiety or panic. Now, take a look at that, because we got certain words highlighted there. And just so you know, these uh, we we always like to give the source a gentleman by the name of Joseph J. Lucini, I believe. He's a PhD. It's from selfcoaching.net. It's written down there at the bottom. So these are not my words. These are his. But notice what it says about worry. He says that worry is circular and destructive. He says that worry is what if thinking. It's like he's been in our session. or We were in his, but we didn't know this. What does it say about worry? That monster worry leads to a life, not just stress, but a life of stress. Dealing with stress in your everyday, ordinary life. We don't want that. It leads to a life of stress, but not just stress, anxiety, not just anxiety, panic. Physical effects of worry. Oh, my. Goodness, don't tell me that's not describing worry to a T. And we didn't even know that yet. Worry is destructive in your head. What if negative narrative looping back and back thinking that results in anxiety, stress and panic. Unlike our comparison word, what is that word? Concern. We're going to take a moment and talk about worry versus concern. Closely related word. Very different, though. the same PhD that chatted about worry guess what he did doggone it that rascal also talked about concern and once again in my opinion he nailed it watch this on the screen once more he's contrasting worry and concern His first note about concern. Follow along with me. Concern is a calculated consideration and assessment of actual danger. Whereas worry anticipates problems and things going awry, loss of control, concern is more fact-based and geared towards problem-solving. Now notice this. A couple of things highlighted there for you. Concern is more fact-based. Another thing about concern is concern leaves open the window of opportunity for problem solving. Oh, he wasn't done. No. Hit him with the next slide. He goes on to say this. Being concerned is an adaptive and constructive way of thinking that really prepares you for life's challenges. Now, here's the worry he sticks in there. Being worried, on the other hand, is a circular, destructive kind of thinking that leads to a life of stress, anxiety or panic. There is worry and there is concern. Concern is circumstance driven and worry is insecurity driven. Worry, insecurity driven from the inside out is bad for you. Concern, circumstance driven, circumstance driven from the outside in is good for you. Once again, look at what we've highlighted. The full sentence there highlighted was our previous definition that he gave us of worry. But what does he say about concern? Furthermore, concern is circumstance driven. Doggone it, worry is insecurity driven. That's why worry is so good at getting you not to trust your God. Pressing insecurity in your mind, causing you to press that insecurity down to your heart and causing you to move when God says stand still. It gives you antsy feet or sometimes it gives you concrete in your shoes, when God's telling you to move, you can't tend to move your feet because insecurity got you locked to the ground. Worry ain't nothing to play with. But that's okay because we're not playing with it. It says concern, circumstance driven, worry, insecurity driven. And guess what else? We thought enough about this, just go ahead and put a Bulletin at the bottom. Worry is inside out. Concern is outside in. Worry takes whatever it is you are considering to be your issue and it bakes it on the inside of you. Concern is what you're viewing on the outside, but keeping the peace of God still on the inside. Worry versus concern. Concern family is constructive and has the weight of facts and real actual circumstances as its basis. Worry is destructive and is heavily weighted towards presumed anxiety based conclusions. Worry versus concern. Now for task one. Task one, we're supposed to kind of get a feel for when we can sense worry trying to rise up on the inside of us. And what we've gone through so far, it pretty much accomplishes it. You know that you're leaning towards worry when the thoughts in your head are becoming circular and destructive and moving away from mere concern. That's when you know you're going towards worry. But you know for us that's not good enough. We can't stop it right there. We want a practical example of how we can see worry and concern side by side for ourselves in a practical way you know what, you in luck today. We're going to do just that. A very practical example, and here's the example that I want to paint for you. I want you to imagine that there is a parent wrestling with the idea of sending their child off to college, away to college. And you know, away can be A couple of cities over. But let's go ahead and make this thing real good. Let's talk about a way they're going to go out of state. And not just out of state, just cross the line. I'm talking about you got to get in your car and go a good 14, 15 hours if you want to get to them or make sure you go southwest. (laughs) I'm talking about that baby finna go away to school. Now, to make it even more personal, let's give that baby a name. Let's call him Kevin Johnson. I just pulled that name out. I'm trying to pick a last name of people I don't see in here, you know. Because <laughs> even though you, even though you say it's not about them, they might be like, mm-hmm, especially when it gets to the bad part, you know what I'm saying? But I don't think we got no Johnsons in here. So, Kevin Johnson. Now, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson are going to contemplate whether or not Kevin goes off to school. Listen to worry in their head. He's going to go off to school and he's going to become overcome with sin. He's going to get involved with the wrong people because you know he's going to get lonely. And when he gets lonely, he's going to connect with the wrong crowd, and they're going to victimize him. Beyond that, who knows what happens? Maybe bring a baby into this world, and before you know it, them flunked out of school, and back here with me to take care of, maybe with a child. That's worry. What would a concern thought sound like well out of state tuition is much higher how are we going to pay for that also you know kevin has never been the best of students academically academically so he hasn't received any grants or scholarships plus he still shows signs of immaturity. I mean, I ask him to do something, he doesn't do it. I ask him why he didn't do something, he tells me he forgot. I still have to wake him up for his appointment. All these things combined makes me think that this whole out-of-state School thing could be just a big waste of money. Worry, concern. Do you see the difference? I'm going to take you through an exercise about worry and concern. What we shared before was... Information that I had received through research. What I'm going to share with you now is things that God gave me based on everything that I've read in the Bible and everything that I've read just out there in the world of research about worry and concern. I've taken it and I packaged it in this scenario of a family looking to send their child out of state. They're thinking about it worry and concern. Bring this first table up for me. What you have before you is a table. The table has worry on one side, concern on the other side. And it has some verbiage. I want you to keep in mind that this is a comparison. And we always have as a backdrop that that child going out of state to school. Worry acts out of fear and anxiety. Concern acts out of rational thought. Now check this out. Depending on whether the parent is worried or concerned, in this table right here, you could end up with the same result. In both of these scenarios, the parent can make the decision that their child stays home. But in the worry column, that parent makes that decision that that child should stay home based out of fear and anxiety. In the concern column, that parent decides to keep that child home based on real, actual, observed reasons. Different. Worry. Concern. Hit them with the next one. What can we say about worry? Worry is often unexplainable with tangible reasons and frequently closes the door on the topic of conversation using phrases like because I said so. Concern is explainable and can be eased with tangible strategies that can keep the desired plan in play. Now, let's deal with this child going off to school and worry. The parent is operating out of worry, and they really have no good, solid reason why that child can't go off to school. Keep in mind, that child that we're calling the child is going off to college, so probably pressing 18, if not already 18, which means that child is pressing adulthood In other words, they have the mental capacity to know when to call bull on bull. You're not fooling them by not being able to give them a solid reason. They are looking for a reason beyond your anxiety. And guess what? You can't give them one because you don't have one. So you shut them down because I said so. And in shutting them down without a reason you're putting stress and strain unnecessarily on your relationship. That's not a little baby. They know. No reason when they hear no reason. But you see, when we're dealing with worry, it's often unexplainable, with tangible reasons and it closes the door on the topic. You're just not going. Why, Mom? Because I said so. You're just not going. Why, Dad? B- b- because I said so. That's worry. What about concern, though? Concern is explainable. When we went through the concern scenario, we, we said, guess what? The cost of out-of-state tuition is higher. We said, You haven't you haven't been the best of students, so you don't have no grants and scholarship to pay for this stuff. And by the way, you still immature acting. Tangible reasons. But the beauty about concern. Is because concern presents you with tangible, real reasons. It leaves the door open. To keep the strategies in play. In other words, you can resolve real tangible stuff. I can't just resolve your fear. So the parent that's dealing with concern can come together with their child and start talking to their child about this opportunity in a way that makes sense to that child. You see, the cost of tuition is higher. So the parent can say, listen, listen. We don't have the money to pay for that. The child hasn't been doing well enough in school to get scholarships and grants. So the parent can say, listen. You haven't produced the grades to get, you know, bright futures or or to get grants or to get scholarships. But 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 hey, guess what? You still got a little school left giving them something to do. It's tangible. You got a little school left. Let's try to go ahead and finish strong, get some grades up. Every day that you come home, instead of talking to your friends or goofing around, you need to get on the Internet Internet and find every single application for somebody willing to give you a dollar. And you need to fill it out and fill it out now. Tangible. That's concern working. Concern leaves the window open. Hey, are you willing to work while you go to school? Are you willing to, to, to raise some funds because, you know, Cheddar can come from you, too. It's concern. Concern says things like, well, let's just let's let's say, are you willing to work for a year and save up your money for the difference? That way you can just go to school and be in school and not necessarily have to work and go to school. Concern can give you opportunities to keep the the topic in play. Concern says, you know what, I ask you to do something and you don't do it. I, I ask you why you didn't do it and you say you forgot. Hey, I'm still waking you up to go to your appointments. Concern says, ain't no professor coming and knocking on your dorm room to get you up for class. They already got your money, in this case my money, and they don't care if you go to class or not because they've already cashed the check. Concern points to real stuff. Concern says, hey, listen, if you want me to do more for you, start giving me more from you. Concern can look at that child in the eye and give them justifiable reasons, not why they can't go right now, but why they can get themselves in a position to go. That's the difference between worry and concern. Worry deals with unexplainable stuff that's just in your mind because you're scared about something. Concern says, I've seen this and I know what we can do to solve it if you want to. Yeah. Concern gives both people an opportunity to solve the problem. Worry keeps you in control. Yeah. Talking about this kid, Kevin. Kevin. Oh, Kevin wants to do to go off to school. But if the parent is worried, Kevin's got a problem. If the parent's concerned, oh, Kevin might have to put in some work. But guess what? He can make whatever school he wants to his alma mater because we're going to lay out reasons that are tangible and lay out opportunities for him to still meet his goal. Next comparison. Worry requires an endless list of comfort items, often making it unresolvable. Concern requires a limited list of comfort items, making it resolvable. Now let's turn the clock back on Kevin's life. He's getting ready to go to college right now, but let's turn the clock back to when he was a baby. Because this turning the clock back is going to give us a very good depiction of worry and concern here. Kevin Johnson's little kid. And and know that I'm not, I'm going to use the mom here as an example, Mrs. Johnson. Just know, I'm not saying, listen, I'm a very concerned father. I'm not saying fathers don't care. So for every woman here, stay with me. This is, this is only meant to be illustrative. But it will drive home the point. So when he was a little baby, Mr. and Mrs. Johnson made the decision that they're going to go out on a date night. And they call the babysitter, Katie. <laughs> Katie's a, a college student that lives a few communities over, they've used Katie before, very comfortable with Katie. Katie comes in. Hi, Mrs. Johnson. Hi, Katie. Come on in. I'm, 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 I'm understanding that you guys are going to go out for a date night, yes? We're going to go to dinner and a show. There's an off-Broadway show that we've been wanting to see, and it's come back in town, and ooh, we can't wait to see it. That's awesome. Everything's still the same as before? Yes, same as before. All right, Miss Johnson, you have a great evening. Okay, but, but but Katie, before we leave, I want you to know that Kevin's there in the swing. And he has feeding at 6 30. Yes, ma'am. Now, Katie. His feeding's at six thirty and he needs to get six ounces of milk, no more, no less. Yes, ma'am. And you need to shake it completely. Yes, ma'am, I remember. Okay, Katie. Now, Katie, you need to make sure that you let him drink three ounces, then stop and burp him. Yes, ma'am. Don't let him drink any more, any less. Three ounces. Yes, ma'am. I got it. By this time, Mr. Johnson comes in from the garage and says, honey, we're going to be late. She says, I got this. I'll be right there. (laughs) Katie, after you feed him and you burp him, make sure you give him a bath. And remember, when you give him a bath, use the soap and the purple bottle. After you give him a bath, put him down. And Katie, every 30 minutes, I need you to go in there and check on him because he tends to pull the blanket over his face, and we need to make sure that that blanket is not over his face. Do you understand me, Katie? Yes, ma'am, I understand. (laughs) Now, Katie, all these instructions are in the house, you remember where? Yes, ma'am, on the kitchen counter. Yes, on the kitchen counter. They're on the kitchen counter, Katie, and guess what? Also, if you remember, our numbers are on that sheet. Yes, ma'am, I got it. And the neighbor's number on the sheet, too. Yes, and I've also let the neighbors know that we were going out, so they're, they're listening for your call in the event you need, you need anything. Got it. And if all else fails, Katie, 911. dial 911. <laughs> By this time, the husband's in the car, car's good and warm, and she finally makes it out. They take off and go to the restaurant. They get to the restaurant, and the waiter comes over, is getting ready to take drink orders. The husband orders a sweet tea, looks over. What is Mrs. Johnson doing? She's on her phone texting Katie. She's texting Katie. Husband says, what are you doing? He says, I'm texting Katie. She says, we've only been gone a short while. She says, I'm texting her. Just ordered me a, a water and a Shirley Temple. He does that. <laughs> <laughs> By this time, the appetizers have gotten to the table. The appetizers are at the table and guess what? Doggone it. It's been a good 10 minutes. And what Katie hasn't done, Katie has not texted Miss Johnson back yet. So the husband looks over, and she's back on her phone. She says, what are you doing? Says, Katie didn't get back with me, so I'm, I'm FaceTiming her. Mm-hmm. Katie picks up, says, hey, Ms. Johnson. She says, Katie, listen, you didn't text me back. She says, sorry, Ms. Johnson, I was in the restroom. She says, I understand. Next time take your phone with you. But listen, Katie, <laughs> how's Kevin doing? Mm-hmm. Kevin's, Kevin's doing well. Uh, take the phone there and let me see him. She takes the phone there, and Ms. Johnson looks at Kevin. Oh, he's doing great. Thank you very much. Now, this is repetitive throughout, the, throughout dinner. And guess what? They finally make it to the show, though. When they make it to the show, now, there I don't know if you've ever been to a show. It's, it's a whole silence is golden thing. You're not supposed to have your phones out during the play. But he looks over, and guess what she's doing? She's texting Katie. And during intermission, what is she doing? Calling Calling and (laughs) FaceTiming Katie. Katie. (laughs) Dinner and the show are over. They get back home. They walk in the door. Mr. Johnson says hi to Katie and goes off and gets ready for bed, take a shower, and do whatever he's got to do. In the meantime, Mrs. Johnson has a quick talk with Katie. Pays her for a job well done and spends some time in the bedroom watching over little Kevin. As this story closes, Mrs. Johnson finally makes it up to the bedroom. She's now gotten cleaned up. Kevin's already, I mean, Mr. Johnson's already in the bed. She sits down on her side of the bed and she leans over to him and she says, honey, I love you. Thank you for a wonderful evening. Did you enjoy your date night? (laughs) And his response right before he leans over and turns off his lamp is, I don't know. You never showed up. Worry. It doesn't matter how many things she put in place None of those things were enough to give her comfort. It made what she was dealing with in her head unresolvable. Now, what about the dad, though? Once again, is Mr. Johnson a person that's just cold, just has no no care for, for little Kevin? Absolutely not. But Mr. Johnson is dealing with concern. You see, Mr. Johnson has a limited number of things in his mind that if he can get those things resolved, he's going to be good with going out tonight. What were those things that he could list in his head? Number one, they got a quality babysitter that they've been using. Number two, the babysitter is in their home, which is a safe, familiar place. Number three. She has their numbers if something goes wrong. Number four, she has the number of the neighbor if something goes wrong. Number five, the neighbor already knows that she's there and that, my God, if she calls, we expect you to be Johnny on the spot because we ain't there. Beyond that, she always got that trump card. Girl, hit those three numbers and dial 911. On those six items, Mr. Johnson says, my issues of concern are resolved. I can have peace and enjoy my evening. Concern. Concern is that thing that once you have those items taken care of, you can rest. Unlike Mrs. Johnson, she will never be able to rest unless she is the one with her eyes on her baby. Now go ahead and let's fast forward. Kevin's just trying to go to school. But imagine if Mrs. Johnson had those concerns with going away for dinner for three hours, four hours. What do you think is going through her mind when she getting ready to quote unquote, ship my baby off to school? There is a never ending amount of items that's gonna keep her consumed with worry. What about Mr. Johnson? He's gonna be like, (laughs) (laughs) well, in addition to maybe wanting to kick him out of the house. But Mr. Johnson will be like, where is the school? How safe is the city? Where is he going to be living? How is he going to get food? He's going to make sure that there are certain items in place, and after that, let go and let God. Now once again, it could be the overworried husband or dad or the overworried wife or mom. It doesn't merit the scenario, and heaven forbid it's both of them rascals. Hopefully they're both in concern. If both are in worry, oh, that child got a problem. <laughs> he need to take that to the Lord and pray. Let's give him one more, Wood. Yeah, let's give him one more, sir. Worry processes from inside out, which keeps the person linked to mental torment. Concern, processes from outside in which regulates feelings and presents an opportunity for the person to experience peace. Just using the example we've already given. Think about that mom. She is going to stay in torment. Every moment her eye is not on that child, she's going to be in torment. On the other side, as it relates to the other parent, once they've processed what needs to happen on the outside and got resolved on the things on the outside, they have the opportunity for peace on the inside. Worry versus concern. What I'm hoping is that the comparisons that we've just gone through, help solidify the differences between worry and concern. And, you know, we're not done with this comparison yet. There is still more to come. But for now, we're going to rest on what we've done. And prayerfully, given what you've heard and processing it, gives you a good gauge to know whether you're dealing with concern or you are wrestling with worry. That's a wrap for today. Let's pray. God, we want everyone here to know that as it relates to our policy, if they're your child, if they're born again, The no worry clause is something we need to take seriously. Worry's not good for us. That circular, destructive way of thinking, it distanced us from trusting in you. My prayer is that every heart receives taking worry and distancing themselves from it. You want us to have peace in this life. And peace in this life is oh so hard to come by when we link ourselves and embrace worry. So our prayer is that neither one of us link up with worry one second longer. Not one second longer, but we let it go. As we said in praise and worship, whatever it is you have as a worry, once you've heard God say, just give it to me, leave it all Right there. In Jesus name. Amen. Well, that's what God had to say to us today. We pray that it blessed you. As always, we pray that the word of God blesses you. Not just years from now or months from now, or weeks from now, not even days from now. But we pray that you got something out of the message today that would change your life immediately. God bless you and look forward to chatting with you next time.